BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm David Brody. It's Thursday, June 3rd, 2021. We begin with three words. Paging Dr. Fauci, paging Dr. Fauci, he's in all sorts of hot water, at least among conservatives, with these newly released emails. Look, it's a treasure trove of material. Take your pick. We've got hypocrisy on masks. We've got emails suggesting he was very concerned about gain-of-function research, a correspondence showing that he was told early on that the virus may have been engineered in the Wuhan lab, so much more. Maybe Fauci should have consulted with Hillary Clinton after writing all those emails because <laughs> she knows where the delete button is. You know what I'm saying? Anyhow, in just a moment, we're going to be joined by Dr. Ronnie Jackson, President Trump's former physician. Wait until you what he has to say. Some pretty explosive comments. Also today on the show, Republican governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, in some hot water. The controversial 1619 project curriculum is actually designated as a resource on the state's Department of Education website. So what's up with that? Conservatives are asking why in the world is a conservative governor okay with promoting the 1619 Project, which essentially argues that the American Revolution was launched in defense of slavery. Josh Mandel will be here to discuss he's running for U.S. Senate in Ohio. And later, well, this is going to cause some controversy. Hold on, folks. A march this weekend in D.C. from those who used to be transgender now say they've actually made a mistake. We're going to explore this issue with Pastor Brian Gibson. What happens when a transgender male or female realizes that they don't want to be, a transgen be transgender after all? We're going to share their stories, especially about students who came to that conclusion after going through some pressure campaigns in their schools. And later, Mitch McConnell, I had a chance to speak to the leader of the Republicans in the Senate a few years ago where he talked about his legacy, faith, and some of those pesky Republicans that have become a thorn in his side. So we will get to that on the show today, uh, later this hour. But first, the Fauci emails. Look, if you turn on MSNBC, CNN, if you read a liberal newspaper like the New York Times, the only thing you're going to read about in these emails are about how Fauci was basically, quote, a rare source of frank honesty. That is their laughable and dishonest conclusion. The legacy media has been covering for Fauci since day one. Well, we have a guest on the show today, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, Donald Trump's former physician, now a congressman from Texas, who has a much different view. Here he is on the show. Dr. Ronnie Jackson, Congressman Ronnie Jackson, you've got a lot of titles. Uh, great to have you here on The Water Cooler. Thanks for being here. Thanks, David. I appreciate you having me. Well, obviously, uh, if you just uh, do go on Twitter, hashtag Fauci emails, uh, mean boy, it's trending for sure, at least in conservative orbit. The main mainstream media seems to be staying away from it. What do you make overall 30,000 foot view of what we've seen from these emails, Dr. Jackson? Well, I think it just declares what I've kind of known all along is that Dr. Fauci's not an objective scientist. He's an unpaid politician. And uh, I think that, you know, it, it, we're going to see as time goes on, as more of these emails come out, that they had a very good idea of what was going on from the very beginning. They knew this came from the Wuhan lab. 
And, uh, you know, the, the, the question is just like, you know, why didn't we say something about it earlier? Why didn't we push the Chinese on it? Why did we help the WHO cover it up? There's just a lot of issues out there. But I think we'll find out that a big part of that was because Dr. Fauci was was involved in part of it in the sense that, you know, they, they didn't want anybody to know that the money that went to this lab for this this uh, gain of function testing that was done there was provided by NIH, yeah, by, by the United States. And I want to get to gain of function in a moment. I do want to share with our viewers and you uh, one of those emails. Uh, this actually has to do with masks. This was really interesting, uh, where he says masks are really for infected people to protect them from spreading infection to people who are not infected rather than protecting uninfected people from acquiring infection. The typical mask you buy in the drugstore is not really effective in keeping out virus, which is small enough to pass through the material. So he was also saying this publicly. The problem is, is that what's we're supposed to follow the science, but then everybody's wearing masks. I mean, if he really believes this, then why in the world were we wearing masks? Yeah, I think that, you know, there was the, the Democrats used this to their advantage politically from the very beginning. And a big part of it was to create as much fear as they possibly could create. And they did that, of course, because they needed to do that so that they could justify unsolicited mail-in ballots across the country. That was the that was their number one goal. Dr. Fauci was a tool in that. He was manipulated. He knew he knew what the answers were. We all know uh, medical providers know that, you know, an N95 mask will filter out the viral particles. But all this other stuff is useless. The viral particles just pass right through it like it weren't even there. So the, the fact that we had everybody in the country running around with bandanas and, you know, uh, and cotton mask on, it, it was just it was nothing more than virtue signaling. And in an effort to scare people so that they could justify mail-in ballots, that's what this was all about. We, yeah. We've been totally duped. Yeah, you know, you you know, from one doctor to another, if you will. I mean, you you know, you obviously the former president's doctor, uh, and you see what Dr. Fauci is doing. This seems to be a whole other level when you're talking about someone in such a trusted position from a medical perspective. Can you talk to me about the medical uh, from a medical standpoint here? Well, it is. He's supposed to be objective. He's supposed to be unbiased. He's supposed to be providing us with the facts. He's supposed to be an authority on infectious disease and public health that we use to guide us in, in, in where, how to get us out of a situation like this. And instead, he was complicit and he was being used as a political tool. And I mean, I think we need to look back at that and we need to ask ourselves a question. Should Dr. Fauci still be in that role? I, I think the answer to that at this point is obviously no. He needs to move on. Francis Collin needs to move on. We need to look at all of the funding that we provide to NIH, and we need more oversight in how that money's spent. Obviously, yeah. it's not being spent appropriately. I want to ask you about the Wuhan lab situation, the gain of function. This is interesting. This is an NIH scientist sending an email to Dr. Fauci where basically this is what she says. The unusual features of the virus make up a really small part of the genome. So one has to really look closely at all the sequences to see that some of the features potentially look engineered. Why in the world, Dr. Jackson, was this not communicated to us when that discussion was going on and instead those people were brand conspiracy theorists, including the president of the United States at the time? Well, it's a simple answer. I'm telling you right now, they knew that it would come back to them. They knew that it would come back to the funding that they provided to this lab and that they would be held responsible for what was going on. And they were trying to any any cost possible to stop that from happening. So they 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 worked hard to try to cover it up. They let the WHO go over there and you know, be the be the spokesperson for the Chinese government. They knew there was so much circumstantial evidence that showed that this came from the Wuhan lab. It was overwhelming. And there's absolutely no evidence at all, zero, that this came from a natural source, none. And so we, we were just lied to, plain and simple. Yeah, uh, I want to show you a Just the News headline uh, that is up on our site here, uh, talking about these emails and, and how they show 
Fauci made urgent inquiry about gain-of-function research as pandemic began. I won't go through all of the emails, but basically there is an urgency in his email about this gain-of-function, concerned about the timeline here. In other words, did, did NIH uh, actually contribute to this gain-of-function research that was going on in the Wuhan lab? What, what can you tell us? Uh, what's your belief on that right now? Well, I believe they did, whether they knew they were doing it or not. They gave the money to the Wuhan lab for research. And if they were doing gain-of-function research there, which we know they were at this point, and they were using the money that we gave them, which we know they were at this point, we're pretty confident they were, that the lab was getting money, uh, it, then it's on them for not knowing what was going on there. They can't blindly give money to the Chinese, to a Chinese government-run lab and, and, and not know what they're doing over there. We shouldn't be giving money to them anyways for crying out loud, man. I mean, we're going to, we could find out later on that this was part of a bioweapons program. Who knows? I mean, but you know, we should not be giving U.S. taxpayer dollars to our enemies uh, to, to fund research that could be turned around and used as a bioweapon against so, us. And that's what the gain of function testing can do. It's, it's not right. So are you suggesting with the bioweapons stuff, are you saying we don't even know at this point whether is that an accident or potentially on purpose? Yeah, we have no idea. We don't know what's going on over there. I mean, we, you know, I'm pretty confident based on the circumstantial evidence, the fact that people are getting sick in October, November, the fact that they shut down the roads all around the Wuhan lab, the fact that, you know, it looks like there's engineered components of the virus. I, I'm pretty confident that, you know, it's, and it's, we know that it started in the Wuhan area, just four or five miles is where we think it's, you know, started from, from that lab. It, it came from the Wuhan lab. The big question now is, was it an accidental leak from the lab? Or are they work, do they have a bioweapons program there? You know, we don't do that in the United States. We don't develop bioweapons in the United States, but you better bet the Russians and the Chinese and a lot of our enemies do. And so why in, why in God's name are we giving these people money? Right, good point. As we wrap up here, we've got about 30 seconds, but I've got to bring up hydroxychloroquine. The president mm -hmm. and others were lambasted over this when he said it back in the day. And look at this, a new study actually shows hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin therapy at higher at a higher dose improved survival by nearly 200% in ventilated COVID patients. Your reaction to that study? Well, it's just more people that let their hate for Donald J. Trump you know, get in the way of doing what was right for this country and it cost people their lives in the process. Mm. And they should be held accountable. They should be held accountable. All right. Well, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, really appreciate your time here uh, on the water cooler and uh, good luck with uh, the rest of your week and weekend. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. All right. Dr. Ronnie Jackson here uh, on the water cooler. And look, what he said there at the end, towards the end about the bioweapon program, potentially, I mean, he says, we don't know. Uh, here's, here's the issue, right? Uh, Right now, we're hearing it could be from the Wuhan lab, potentially, and it may be an accident and all of that. But here's the problem. The media fed us this whole thing about it wasn't from the Wuhan lab, and now apparently it very well may have been from the Wuhan lab. And now they're saying, well, even if it was from the Wuhan lab, it was an accident. Well, hold on. Dr. Ronnie Jackson says, we need to find out, was it an accident? Was it done on purpose? Was there a bioweapon program there? Look, you, you, you scream conspiracy theory. Hold on. Didn't we hear that about, I don't know, a year ago? Back in a moment. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. We've been watching this Senate race in Ohio. It's a big deal, obviously. Uh, Rob Portman is retiring, uh, and you've got a slew of candidates trying to replace him in the U.S. Senate. Uh, and I want to go to a headline because one of those Senate candidates uh, here, Josh Mandel, uh, he has asked Mike DeWine, the governor of Ohio, to actually remove the 1619 Project resource on a state website. This is the Department of Education website. Uh, of course, the 1619 Project, a New York Times project, very controversial, basically saying that the American excuse me, <laughs> I am slurring my speech. The American Revolution uh, was done in defense of slavery, huh? Insert question mark. Uh, emoji slash maybe uh, throwing up emoji. Do we have a throwing up emoji? I don't know. I'll have to look at that. Uh, let's bring in Josh Mandel, a candidate for U.S. Senate. Josh, great to have you back on the show, sir. Hey, David, good to be on. There is, in fact, a throwing up emoji. <laughs> well, leave it to a U.S. Senate candidate from Ohio who is a man of the people to tell us that there's a throw up emoji. That is good to know. All right. Uh, speaking about throwing up emojis, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what made you uh, pretty sick uh, to your stomach when you found out about this? Sure. So a friend of mine in Cincinnati, his name is Zach Haynes, conservative activist down there, conservative leader. He uh, messaged me and said, hey, have you seen this? And I hadn't seen it yet. It was Mike DeWine pushing the New York Times 1619 project to students here in Ohio. And as you said very articulately, the 1619 project is totally revisionist. In my mind, it's racist. It's inaccurate. And it's essentially lying to the students of Ohio and lying to students everywhere. In fact, America was based on freedom and liberty. Those brave men who, who marched through the snow with blood on their feet in 1776 to found this country, they did it in the name of freedom and liberty, not racism and slavery. The 1619 Project has no place in America, definitely no place in the classroom. And it's sad and shameful that it's actually a Republican governor, Mike DeWine, here in Ohio, that's pushing it. Josh, I know Mike DeWine. I've known him for a very long time, over a decade. What's going on here? Does, does he, I mean, now he's aware of it. I mean, is that going to change? I mean, what, how, how can something like this, a Republican governor, a uh, conservative governor, do something like this? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. And uh, listen, DeWine's been a disappointment. You know, when he was campaigning, he campaigned as a conservative. But when he got in there, he sort of turned into another Kasich. And it's, it's so frustrating for us as constitutional conservatives, for lovers of liberty and freedom. And for those of us who feel strongly about the Judeo-Christian ethic, it's so sad and disappointing to see Mike DeWine pushing things like the 1619 Project from the New York Times. He's also pushed some other you know, crazy stuff on the, on the leftist agenda. And listen, I, I think DeWine, like a lot of the establishment crew in Washington, he just wants to be liked. He wants to be liked by the media. He wants to be liked by people on the other side of the aisle. And in my mind, politics isn't about being liked. It's about standing up for what's right. It's about standing up for the Constitution. And you know what we know, David, under the umbrella of that Judeo-Christian ethic, is it's important to fight for good over evil. And in my mind, this 1619 project is pure evil. It's pure lies to our kids. And I'll take on anyone who's pushing it, whether it's uh, the radical left or, in this case, it's a squishy establishment Republican like Mike DeWine. So, Josh, uh, juxtapose your candidacy as opposed to what Mike DeWine is doing. So, so for example, I mean, what, with Mike DeWine, you just got to wonder what's, what's up exactly because, I mean, did COVID 
Did, did COVID change him or what, what happened there specifically? I wonder if COVID just, you know, a lot of conservative governors went a little crazy during COVID too. It's a very astute observation, David. COVID did change him. Uh, DeWine is sort of uh, in love with the moment of COVID. Hmm. He has uh, tapped himself to be the uh, COVID expert and the COVID czar. Unfortunately, here in Ohio, he was dead wrong. Uh, he and the uh, health director, who's actually an abortionist, Amy Acton, they predicted 62,000 cases a day. It ended up being 476 cases a day. They weren't even in the, forget about the ballpark of accurate, they weren't even in the universe of accurate. And unfortunately, what they did was shut down all the schools, but they let casinos stay open, shut down the churches, they let abortion clinics stay open. And it was just, the whole thing was just outrageous and was just a slap in the face to us as conservatives. The other thing that was just so harmful to our state with the COVID and DeWine's handling of it is, you know, he allowed Walmart and Target and Costco and these big woke corporations to stay open, but he shut down the little guy. He shut down the mom and pop family owned restaurants, hardware store, clothing store. And it, the whole thing was just, just very sad. And to, to your original question, you know, DeWine has just COVID changed him and I think power has changed him. And it, yeah. just, it just seems to me that he's all about power and control as opposed to giving the control and power to we as individuals. And I believe when government is big, we as individuals are small, but when we can make government limited in size and scope, we can empower the individuals, we can empower we the people to be big and have control and power over the government over the politicians. For sure. Hey, Josh, uh, before we let you go, the state of the race, uh, we're looking at some internal polling numbers, or I should say some polling numbers that are out there, actually, that show uh, you in the lead uh, as it relates to the primary on the Republican side. Uh, why do you think that is, and how do you keep uh, going? I'm consistently winning these polls for one main reason. I'm the only candidate in this race who is willing to take on the squishy establishment Republicans, both in Columbus and in Washington. The other people running against me, they're just go along, get along. They're, they're afraid to fight the establishment Republicans. I also was the first statewide official in Ohio to support President Trump. I think the Trump supporters here in Ohio know that. They've seen me out here very loudly advocating for and advancing the Trump America First agenda. And listen, the only poll that really matters is election day, and we're confident we're going to win that poll. One of the other things I think that's benefiting us, David, is rather than running my campaign through Republican Party groups, I'm running my campaign through churches. Yeah. And, and we've just had an outpouring of support. Last week, we were at Freedom Gate Church down in Marietta on the West Virginia border. We had 300 people at Washington Heights Baptist Church in Dayton, 250 people at Victory and Truth Ministries in Bucyrus. Pastor J.C. Church, who I think you know, and yep. we just have this outpouring of support from Christian activists throughout the state. Yeah, for sure. No, that is, that is crucial. I've covered, I've been on the ground in the state, I've dealt with Faith and Freedom Coalition. I know especially they're big all over the state, especially in that Columbus, Ohio area as well. So, uh, all right, Josh, really appreciate your time. Thanks, and good luck with the Senate campaign. Appreciate it. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. All right, uh, Josh uh, Mandel, complete with the American flag. Hey, not subliminal, it was clearly behind him, but that's what his campaign's all about. He's like, look, I love America, I'm not uh, ashamed about it. The 1619 Project can take a hike, and by the way, so can the New York Times. Uh, but hey, he's, he's one of many who would tell the New York Times to take a hike, FYI. Uh, why do I always morph into like New York when I'm doing this show? Like in the middle of the show, anyhow, back in a moment.
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, what happens in this case? You're transgender and then, wait for it, you're not transgender. You change your mind. Uh, there was an article posted in the Daily Signal recently. It basically shares the story about a girl from Wisconsin. She was experiencing gender dysphoria. She told her parents she, she wanted to be identified as a boy. Well, the parents were advised by medical professionals to hold off on hormones, transfusions, etc. There was evidence that not all kids feel this way forever. They might grow out of it. Well, the parents pulled her out of school because the school wouldn't adhere to the parents' request of referring her uh, via female pronouns. So they would rather take the word of the girl. And basically, uh, here's the deal. The parents pulled her out of school to protect her. And interestingly enough, the article states this. Uh, just a few weeks after the parents withdrew, withdrew their daughter from school, she expressed to her mother that affirmative care really messed me up, that the daughter has now reverted to identifying by her birth name and female pronouns and enrolled in a different school district. Uh, so once again, this pressure that so many kids now feel, oh, I'm transgender, I'm trans, well, when, when they're really not. Pastor Brian Gibson, uh, who's a, a regular on this show, uh, spoke not specifically about this, but he talked about the validity of the Bible, that the Bible never changes, and there's a lot of pressure to follow the crowd in this day and age. Have a look. There are some people that are going to make fun of you, make fun of your standards, make fun of your beliefs, make fun of who you are. They're not going to like your morality anymore in America, but I'm telling you, if the Word of God says it, right is right, wrong is wrong, what's written is written, and we're not going to change the Word for any man, any woman, or any person that would poke fun of us because let God be true and every man a liar. And come on, we believe in the power of God. And I don't care what they say about us. I've read the Bible. I've experienced what's in the Bible. I believe the Bible more than I care about what a critic has to say about, about what I believe about Jesus and, and his church and his word. Amen and amen. And now to Pastor Brian Gibson, live in the flesh, the founder of Peaceably Gather. Uh, Pastor Gibson, uh, you, you're exactly right. I would hope you can expand on that because, uh, look, we need to love all uh, of God's creation uh, of uh, male and female. The, the word transgender, it's not in the Bible. Uh, the concept of transgender, not in the Bible. Male and female. Still, we need to be loving to everyone, obviously. Yeah, 100%, David. Thanks for having me. And, and what we're seeing uh, is what's happened from the beginning with the Word of God. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis, Right. God tells Adam and Eve what what they can and cannot do. And the devil immediately shows up and says, has God really said he's trying to twist God's word? And that's what's happening in America at such a large scale. Uh, it's almost mind blowing right now. If you turn on Blue's Clues, there, there's a drag queen teaching your children about these issues uh, right now. I believe there's a new state religion, which is the leftist agenda and its temple is uh, the school system that your property taxes pay for right now. So yeah, as Christians, I think we need to take a strong stand, stop being afraid, stop apologizing for what the Bible says, 
Stop apologizing for Jesus. He's absolutely loving, mm -hmm. but sometimes he disagrees with us as humans. It's called, it's called sin. And uh, us trying to redefine what God thinks about everything just doesn't work. God won't be relegated to that. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's going to be an interesting march uh, this weekend. Uh, and I'm trying to remember the exact title, but uh, I think we have it up there. There it is, Freedom March. Freedom March DC. Uh, and it's former LGBTQ plus who share their stories. Uh, folks that were in that lifestyle are no longer in that lifestyle. And what a, I'm going to say this word, I don't care, send me the emails. What a wonderful story. What a wonderful march this is going to be. Uh, the liberals are going to hate it. They're, they're going to, these people are going to be called traitors and worse uh, when they gather. But, but th there is redemptive value in this. Talk to me about, the, about this, Pastor. Uh, ab absolutely. Uh, you know, Jesus saves, redeems, and changes out of every lifestyle. And that's what these people will be there talking about. Now, I'll say this. They're one of the largest targets People that were transgender and no longer are are people who said, I, I was living in a homosexual lifestyle, now I'm heterosexual. I've watched cancel culture come after some of my friends in the church like that at a level that's almost criminal because people don't want that story to get out there. And I wonder how many more of these stories uh, are, are we going to have after children are being brainwashed in our school systems all of the big tech and the media are pushing kids th this way to, to make decisions that they're not old enough to make. How many of us that have sons or daughters, I know my son for many years wanted to grow up to be a dinosaur, right? That's what he, that's what he thought he was going to be when he would grow up. And he loved to, you know, growl like a T-Rex. Uh, what adults do is they help coach, they help lead, they help love, and they drive them on the path that they were created for. And I'm telling you, if you were born a male, you are a male. If you were born a female, you are a female. That is that is science. That's that's an actual fact. And uh, confusing people and telling them a lie that they'll be happier like this or happier like that. It doesn't. It the, the real problem is it doesn't bring help. It doesn't bring health, and it, it doesn't bring stability to that person. Uh, some stats show those that have transitioned after 10 to 15 years. Now, this is going back three years to find the stat. I don't know that you can trust the stats today, mm -hmm. but they're 20 times more likely to commit suicide than, than their other peers. 20 yeah. times more likely. Uh, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous teaching, Dave. You know, we hear all the time, follow the science. The liberals love to tell us, follow the science, follow the science. All right, we're following the biological science. Male equals male, female equals female. There, we did it. Anyhow, hey, uh, the sheep in the church, uh, I tell you what, they love following the crowd. It's a big problem in the church, isn't it? A hundred percent. I think Barna just did a study uh, and Barna came back saying that of, of Americans, only 6% of Americans now have a biblical worldview. And I think that the, the sheep in the church, they do follow the crowd. Uh, they want to listen to the mob and go that way. And, and I believe a real shepherd and the real voice of the church is lifting up the word of God and leading counterculture and leading against the stream of the flow. And if you study the Bible, that's what prophets have done, pastors have done, apostles have done since the beginning of time. So I yeah. really believe we need to wake up now in America. Pastor Gibson, if people want to get more information about what you're doing across the country, where can they go? Uh, what are some resources that you can give them here in the next 20 seconds or so? Yeah, I'd love to have you come to pg.today, pg.today. And that's where we talk about defending your First Amendment rights as Americans and defending free worship 
in our culture. If the First Amendment falls, everything falls. So come over to PG.today and check out uh, what we can do together to save America and to lift up the name of Jesus. All right, Pastor Brian Gibson, great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, sir. Great to see you. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, lifting up the name of... Six words. He just said, lifting up the name of Jesus. That's six words. And you know what? When are you ever going to hear that on CNN? That's why we love the water cooler, because guess what? It's the First Amendment. As he says, we'll say whatever we want. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Mitch McConnell. So what kind of a reaction do you have when I say his name? Mitch McConnell. Uh, I can tell you right now, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, though I would lean probably towards the negative side regarding Mitch McConnell, uh, because a lot of folks, uh, first of all, Trump has dissed him left and right. But, but you got to give Mitch McConnell some credit here, okay? He was able to shepherd the Supreme Court nominees for Trump uh, through all of, the, uh, all of the shenanigans, especially during the Brett Kavanaugh situation and he was very good on that he's really pushed all of trump's judicial picks so he's been good on that uh, and he's been good on quite a few other things i mean he's a boilerplate uh conservative republican yes he's establishment yes he's swamp yes he's mainstream i, I get all of that okay look i get the criticism and i don't disagree with the criticism uh, at all but you, you got to give the guy some credit at least uh anyhow look the bottom line for Mitch McConnell is that he wants uh, folks with an R next to their name, and he doesn't care if you're Lisa Murkowski or if you're Tim Scott. Uh, in other words, if you're a conservative of a conservative or if you're, you know, off the reservation and you're a rhino. If you're Mitt Romney, he doesn't care. You got an R next to your name. And I know that's the problem right now uh, within this kind of MAGA GOP universe, you know, the, the purity of the party. Anyhow, I had a chance to speak to Mitch McConnell this was in June of 2016, did this for CBN in the uh, fancy swanky lobby of CBN, uh, where we did a sit down. He had just had uh, come out with a new book. It was basically his memoir. Uh, and we get a little insight about him as it relates to how he feels about his faith, uh, his legacy, and dealing with some of those pesky Republicans that give him problems from time to time. Here's Mitch McConnell. Senator McConnell, thanks for doing this. Yeah, Appreciate glad it. to be here. This book. Was it cathartic at all for you? <laughs> Tell me a little bit about how... Someone described writing a memoir as a little bit like going to the psychiatrist. You get to talk about yourself all the time. Right. It was an interesting experience. I had been doing oral histories for sitting down and talking about my life for 20 years, not knowing for sure whether it would be useful. But uh, in putting together the book, I went back to the uh, earliest memory in life, and it was the last visit to Warm Springs, Georgia, to a polio treatment center that President Roosevelt had set up in the wake of his own illness. He tried to help others. I was a young boy in uh, rural Alabama whose father was overseas fighting the Germans in World War II. Mm. Um, I got hit with a flu-like syndrome, which is the way polio begins. <clears throat> um, I now know there was a big polio epidemic that year all over the country. <clears throat> the, um, the way it worked, when the flu went away, you had a problem. You either, you either had full recovery, in which case you had no problem, or you had significant paralysis or any forms in between. In my case, it affected my left quadricep, the muscle between your knee and your thigh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the local doctor said, why don't you go over to Warm Springs and see if they can help? They taught my mother a physical therapy regimen that she was told to administer four times a day. Mm. 
and to keep me off my feet. She did that for two years. Can you imagine a two-year-old and a three-year-old that you're keeping off her feet, watching every moment? My first memory in life was the last visit to Warm Springs. I was four years old. They told my mother that I was going to be a normal kid. I wouldn't have a limp. I wouldn't have to wear a brace. And um, so I thought it was an early life lesson about how to deal with a tough situation. And even though I was too young to, to remember almost all of it, uh, I thought it was a story that people would enjoy and identify with because we all have problems. You know, we all have speed bumps in life that we have to get over. And it was an early example. If you don't give up and you really work hard, it reminds me of a friend of mine who said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Huh, very nice. Uh, in the book, you mentioned Jim, Jim DeMint. Uh, was there a reason that you wanted to bring that up? Was it was it, talk about cathartic? I mean, you know, there's been somewhat of a thorn in your side element here, if not Jim DeMint specifically. I know some of the Tea Party has made life difficult at times. Well, it's not the Tea Party movement writ large. Right. I, I I think that's been fine. What I didn't like was the Senate Conservatives Fund, a particular group whose mission seemed to end up being to nominate people who couldn't win in November. We lost three seats in the 2010 election in Delaware, Colorado, and Nevada by their efforts to nominate people who had, couldn't appeal to a broader audience. We lost two seats in 2012 in Missouri and in Indiana. That's five seats by nominating the wrong people. My definition of a smart campaign is to nominate somebody who can actually win because it's elementary, but people need to remember if you can't win, you don't make policy. The other guys make policy. So in 2014, we stood up to the Senate Conservatives Fund, not only in my own race, but in every race around the country. And the result of that was we had an incredibly good year. We didn't throw away any seats. And now Republicans are setting the agenda in the Senate, not Democrats. How does that make a difference? We put Obamacare repeal on the president's desk. We put defunding Planned Parenthood on the president's desk. We're not confirming this Supreme Court justice, which would turn the court to the left for a generation, all because we now have a Republican majority in the Senate and not a Democratic majority. On your faith, the Bible Belt, Kentucky, I mean, where, where does, what, is, uh, what does faith mean to you? Or where, where does, what kind of role does faith play in your life? Exactly? It's an important role, I think, not only in my life, but in the life of, of many, many Americans. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to feel at the end of every day when I go home and prop my feet up that maybe I made a difference for this great country. And I think in many ways that is a Christian mission and a Jewish mission to, to, to give back, to make a positive impact on a country that we love. So it's a, it's a big part of my life and I think of many others as well. Hmm. And from a legacy standpoint, not, look, I know, 72, you're thinking about running for re-election. I'm not trying to write you off or anything. No, I haven't decided about that. <laughs> right, I understand. But in terms of legacy and what this book meant in terms of putting something down on paper and letting folks know how important uh, what you stand for, uh, I'm curious what you feel and what contribution you, you've made towards this country. Yeah, the point I'm trying to make in the book is most of us are not overnight sensations. Mm -hmm. The best way to succeed in America and in life is to have a good game, good game plan, deal with the inevitable adversity that we all face, and get up and keep on going. Because there's only two ways to fail in America, give up or die. Because America is a land of second opportunities. We're all given those second opportunities. We ought to take advantage of them.
Mitch McConnell from 2016 when I had a chance to interview him, he made some good points there. Uh, he talked about policy. Don't miss that. Uh, his whole this whole idea about uh, electing these real rock rib strong conservatives, uh, but if they're not going to win an election and you lose the majority, then what's the point? Because then Biden and you know Obama and all these other people are making policy. So it's a good point. By the way, Republicans, let's just also remember you might not like Mitch McConnell so much, but guess what? Democrats hate him even more because he has been a major pain. Can I say it? In the tuckus. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for the last sip. I'm sorry, Dr. Fauci. Your time may be up soon. Uh, listen to this. That's not my heart. That's the drum beat. That's the drum beat uh, from Senator Rand Paul and many conservatives saying they want you fired. These emails, very interesting. Get to that in a moment. We've talked about that on the show today. We'll talk about it more in a second. Uh, but take a look at uh, something I wrote. Thank you very much. Uh, a tweet that I put up this morning. So back then, as in a year ago, this is what Fauci said about hydroxychloroquine. He said, quote, hydroxychloroquine is not effective in the treatment of COVID-19. Now, a new study says this, hydroxychloroquine and uh, azithromycin therapy at a higher dose improves survival by nearly 200% in ventilated COVID patients. And then I end with, so Trump was right again, because we remember Donald Trump back in the day said, hey, I'm taking hydroxychloroquine, why not? Okay, and by the way, he didn't inject himself with bleach, so stop. But he did take hydroxychloroquine and Fauci his advice to Trump back then would have said, don't do it, not effective. Oh, really? Have a look at the latest study. Way to go, Fauci. Speaking about Fauci, look, for the last year, we've been hearing so much from Fauci, you know, uh, don't wear a mask. Oh, you know, wear a mask. Uh, you know, six feet. Actually, you know, I'll tell you about three feet if you're under 18. Uh, you know what? No Wuhan lab uh, leak. Well, maybe a Wuhan lab leak. N95, wear six masks. It's been all over the place. Here's a summary of, of uh, Anthony Fauci in nine seconds. <laughs> and there you go. Can we play that one more time for effect? Anthony Fauci for the last year summarized in nine seconds, please. <laughs> That could also be the Don Lemon show, by the way, or any show on CNN. Take your pick. So, look, that's it. Fauci in a nutshell. And this is exactly why, folks, that, that a lot of folks are not taking this vaccine. Do you want to know why? Let me tell you why. Because they don't trust. Can we play it one more time? They don't trust this. <laughs> Take the vaccine. Take the vaccine. Look, 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 look. Folks, that's what's going on in America today. Writings on the wall, Fauci. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. End of the show. And guess what? I'm not tossing to Joe Webber. Tossing? What is that in New York? I'm not tossing to Joe Weber on Skype. Look. I have, uh, hold up, there it is. Can you do that again, Joe? That was, th there he is. Live. He, he's live in the studio, and you are looking very dapper. Thank today, you very much. By the way, I just want to say, very impressed with the fact, not that I'm a fashion icon, 
But um, hey, so what's going on on Just the News? There? A couple of things. Yeah. Uh, Robert Mueller, former special counsel, oh, gosh. Justice Department, to... he's going to teach a class at the University of Virginia Law School. Okay. Thirty-two right. million dollars, two-year investigation. It didn't come up with anything. He found out that there was Russia collusion, but there's no criminal, you know, um, activity, nor anybody in the Trump campaign was, you know, n n found to have done that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know how people are going to react to this. Uh, it's actually taught by a guy named uh, Andrew Zelby, who is a former deputy mm -hmm. for him, and he is going to assist him with a couple other prosecutors in this class. Well, that's Teach at UVA, he went there, Mueller went to law school there. Oh, is that, is that the yeah. tie-in? Uh, yeah, so uh, good. So you, so you fail at, at, at proving your case and you get a law. Well, one thing that's interesting is obviously that, you know, the, um, the, a lot of the foundation for that investigation was the Steele dossier, which had been largely discredited right. in this argument that they continued to go through with this when they knew, even after two years and $32 million, that there really wasn't anything there. So right. I don't know what the response is going to be this, about this because it was just announced today. That would be interesting. All right, what yeah. else you got going on? A couple other things. There's a lifeguard shortage all around the country. I don't think people know that. Yeah, and it's important. It might seem like, oh, boo-hoo, but, you know, this becomes <laughs> a safety issue, right? I mean, you don't have enough lifeguards, and then what do you do? Do you take the chance of maybe not having enough staff or the size of the pool or somebody doesn't get a lunch, and then it becomes a dangerous situation. A couple factors here. Yeah, why? J-1 visa that President Trump, former right. President Trump, suspended during the pandemic, which was didn't want people coming in when there was a pan national world pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, that was reinstated in April, but there's a huge backlog. backlog. A lot of people, a lot of lifeguards and resort towns that depend on foreign students to supply that. The other thing, the extended sure. unemployment insurance is a result of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, if you're only going to make $15 an hour, you can make $200 a, day, a night waiting tables. Uh, you might just choose B. I'm telling you, I, straight up, I'm choosing B. Yeah. I don't know about you. All right, Joe, I know we have other stuff to talk. I, I got to go. You know, we got to pay bills. I know. So Thanks for having me. It's great to see you in person. Likewise. I had no idea you literally exist, but you do exist. I know. I wasn't just an arbiter. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. All right, tomorrow on the show, uh, Joel Rosenberg, editor-in-chief of All Israel News, uh, will be here. Also, check us out on Samsung TV Plus Channel 1029. It's one of my favorite channels. I said to myself, I want to be on 1029, and now I am. See you tomorrow.